With Christianity on the decline and cultural chaos enveloping young people, how can churches and believers turn back the tide? I want to move on to our featured chat today. We're going to be talking here in just a moment with Dennis Allen. Dennis is the author of a book called The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. Now, I want you guys to think about, and I don't even think we really need to haggle over this because the reality is we know the state of Christianity in America today. We know that really there is a crisis and we're seeing it in the statistics and in the numbers. But how did we get here? What does it mean to make disciples? How did the church land in this culturally chaotic moment? And I think we know the answer to the question I'm about to ask, but are we prepared for this moment? Are we equipped? Are people within the church equipped to meet the culture. That is what I'm going to be talking with Dennis about and really looking at how do we move forward in a way that is more fruitful and that meets the cultural chaos that we see before us. So with no further ado, let's welcome Dennis to the show. Dennis, we are going to dive into the disciple dilemma today. A lot to unpack here, but I want to actually start by asking you for the simple definition of discipleship. Hi, Billy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, if you look statistically, a lot of people in the pews in Christianity define discipleship as membership, activity ship, experiential things, or I know stuff. And all those are good and they're interesting, but if you really get biblical about it, I think the argument stands very strongly that we are pursuers of Christ, followers of Christ who are sloughing off ourselves, changing our muscle memory, becoming people different than our natural selves who are beginning to count the cost and surrender as bond servants. This is a whole lot of words I'm packing in the sentence, but we're really becoming a very different human being, even using the giftedness and the skills and the equipping that Christ has given us in our innate humanness. So that disciple is in motion, committed, surrendered, and changing. How's that for a start? That's a great definition. And it's, I mean, it's deep. I love the words you use because it points to the fact that this is a deep, authentic, you know, relationship and helping others discover and find that relationship and do what we're called to do as Christians is the key. But when you look at culture and you look at the statistics and you look at the numbers, and I know you know these stats and these numbers, it's very concerning, especially when you look at young generations, what's going on there. What have been some of the most concerning maybe statistics or developments that you've observed while working on this project? So I'm a turnaround CEO. My job is corporate repentance. You know, to use the biblical term, I help struggling companies turn around. And in the business world, as well as the Christian world, the thing that really gets my attention is when old traditional ways of doing things, and by that I mean non-biblical, but old traditional ways of doing things, either in business or in Christianity, are hiding in plain sight among us and wrecking the product, the person, the humanity that we're supposed to be in Christ. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because a couple of the, the things that I have noticed, and I would love for you to react to them, because as somebody who's covering stories and I'm looking at things, it's often easy mm-hmm. to assume if you're seeing things happen a lot just because you're covering them, oh, this is happening everywhere, right? Um, but, but maybe that's not the case. But two areas I'd love to talk about mega churches and Christian celebrity, because these are two things that it seems like when you look at headlines, a lot of negative things can happen in these two worlds. But let's start with mega churches. In your view, have mega churches helped or hurt this discipleship crisis? 
for everyone who's listening, if you really want to get mad, Billy invited me on. It's not my fault. Here we go. So I would say one of the things we want to talk about is the fact that large organizations are complex organizations. And if you want mission to really flow into the people in large organizations, it's a very different dynamic than if you're looking at an organization of one, two, or 10, or 100. Having said that, pastors, please don't think we're attacking you. Billy and I are just scrimmaging a very interesting idea here. We love your work. We love your church. And as board members, that's kind of our role here today in this conversation, we were asking provocative questions. So mega churches, you need to be thinking about the fact that it's incredibly difficult for you as a single pastor in a pulpit or your staff to delegate discipleship out if they don't see it modeled. And that's a challenge for us, even though megachurch is a very popular thing today. It constitutes almost 52% of the people attending church today. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's, I love what you said. It's not about an attack. It's about a plan, you know, a plan of action. Mm-hmm. How are you How are you doing this, right, as a church leader? Whether you have 50 people or 5,000 people, that's a question every pastor, you know, needs to be to be asking. Um, and, you know, you have the, the Christian celebrity factor, too. Um, and I think that's more of an issue of culture. You know, culture loves to look for celebrities, and, and sometimes that seeps in to the church. But but we could talk about that, but I'm, I'm also kind of interested in talking about young people because it sort of ties in with that. You know, you've got a lot of statistics coming out showing that Gen Z, millennials, that 50% of them, if not more, are being lost. You know, you raise them in the church, you send them to college, and even before they get to college, they may be falling away. What do you think is driving some of that? I think an 1,800-year-old hack that's infested discipleship is really driving it, but to bring it forward to today's context, we have lost salt and light. And a lot of people in the millennial Gen Z generations are looking at this and they're saying, you're no different than a political cause. You're kind of a tribal event. You're nothing more than a screed that's against everything. And my friends like me being a normal person, so I don't like what you're doing. Therefore, I cancel, I walk out, or I'm just embarrassed and I have to leave. A lot of the people exiting the church today are leaving, not so much because they've had an intellectual collapse, but because there's simply no discipleship underneath them helping them to be that transformed person. You know, the book obviously really pinpoints, and the book, again, it's The Disciple Dilemma, Rethinking and Reforming How the Church Does Discipleship. It points out what is actually happening. It points to the numbers, what we're seeing. What are you hoping people do? They pick this book up. What are you hoping they do after they've read it? Perversely, the book is really not a book about discipleship at all, even though we call it The Disciple Dilemma. It's really a book about leadership. And we are asking everybody who is, I'm about to define a leader, if you're over the age of 15, in other words, you qualify for a learner's permit, and you've been a believer for more than a year, you're implicated. However, formal leaders, whether you're small group leaders, whether you're pastors, staff, right, your ministry directors, men and women who have people alongside them, Please evaluate this hack. If we've got this right, if we haven't completely blown it in our research, then what we're saying is we're going to continue to replicate fragile, brittle disciples inside the church, inside our families. Our kids and our grandkids are at risk in this if the thesis is right. Therefore, we're asking everybody, please evaluate. And if it's right, take a look at the second half of the book, because that's the path forward biblically. Well, and I find it interesting that your job is to help corporations turn around, right? So a company, a corporation, a business is struggling. You come in and you help. And right now, in a lot of ways, 
the church in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of even many people within the church is struggling. There are struggles happening. There are PR struggles. There are lots of things going on. So I don't want you to give it all away because the book deals with it. But but if a pastor were coming to you right now, struggling with this issue, not sure what to do, looking to take the first step forward to turn it around, what would you tell that pastor? My first statement, Billy, would be, please do not despair. The sovereignty of the Lord God Almighty reigns in this. My second point, which I think is really important for all of us, is we have to stop managing and we have to start leading. And the tyranny of the urgent, a quote from Hummel's book, tells us you have to be distracted and completely immersed in the management of an organization instead of the bigger mission Christ gave us, Matthew 28, we think about Luke 9, we think about Colossians 3, and so on, and so on, and so on, where Christ said, come after my mission. Even in John 21, stop looking at the other guy. You do what you're supposed to do, Pastor, which is leadership. And I just don't believe, Billy, that very many pastors get much exposure to the idea of leadership in seminary, and we get stuck in the rut of management in the churches. That would be my plea to be thinking about in this. Yeah, that's interesting. Refocusing on what it really means to be a leader. I love that you defined that before and sort of looking at that as as a a step forward, because to your point, many people may they may think they're they're doing good leadership, but perhaps they're not. And maybe when their churches change, because I think it's also easy to look at a church and say, oh, it's a church of 100. Well, a lot of times a church of 100 becomes a church of 3000. And you've got to reassess and relook at what you're doing when those structural changes happen. And sometimes people maybe haven't done that. So I love I love this project. I love the book. It's The Disciple Dilemma. Any final comments that you want to leave us with today? Well, if you want to check out some of the thinking and traction and action on this, we're at thedisciplodilemma.com, or you can catch YouTube or Facebook, same thing, The Disciple Dilemma, and see some of the conversations we're having with a lot of people, nuns, duns, pastors, casuals. How is this really working, and is it real? Okay, but now you made me ask you another question, so I feel bad because that was my, that wasn't my last question. The nuns, when you've interacted with people who have left, and we're not talking about Catholic nuns here. We're talking about the people who have – they're either atheist, agnostic, or unaffiliated, and most of them are just unaffiliated. They're not in the atheist or agnostic category, but maybe they've left a church. Any of those people you've interacted with on the whole, if there were sort of a 30,000-foot reason why people have abandoned or left church, what have you heard? What would that be? You guys are irrelevant. You guys have actually just walked away from whatever it is you were calling me to do, the full passion and followership of Christ, and you just become a political or a tribal or an existential event. And I'm not even sure who Christ is because I didn't really gain much of my faith in the first place. I was just doing what mom and dad wanted me to do. It wasn't my faith. It ain't my fault, which is legit, right? But the back the backstory on this is come see the biblical call that Christ has given disciples. It's a stunning story. Well, I so appreciate your time today, Dennis. Thanks for coming on. We'd love to have you back sometime soon. Thanks, Billy. Great to be with you. That brings us to the end of today's Higher Ground with Billy Hollowell. Make sure you head over to highergroundtimes.com for news, podcasts, video, and so much more. We'll see you here again next week. 